We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, October the 13th, 2020. On today's show, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joins me as he does each and every single Tuesday as we talk South Carolina's 41-7 win over the Vanderbilt Commodores, and we also look ahead to the game this Saturday as the Gamecocks host the 15th-ranked Auburn Tigers. We'll dive into both games much, much more. It's all brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, we're in peak sports season right now with all the playoffs going on, college football, NFL, all that good stuff. At my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season's all about your chance to win big. Guys, like I said, you can bet anything. Major League Baseball playoffs, UFC, college football, NFL, anything and everything you can gamble on, you can do it over at my bookie. The craziest sports time of your lifetime is here. Guys, it's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash, invest in your intuition. You can select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Go to MyBookie.ag. That's MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code GAMECOCKS and double your first deposit. Guys, new players get to $1,000 in free play, so if you put in 1000 they're going to match it, give you 1000 in free play. You put in, put in $500, they will give you 500 It's a win-win scenario because guess what? You play that money, you lose doesn't come out of your account. You win, you get that money. Again, it's a win-win for you guys. It's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sports wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Guys, again, that is mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOCKS. Mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOCKS. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. The Spurs Up Show is also presented to you by our friends over at Yardware. Yardware signs. Yardware is a veteran-owned and operating company licensed by the University of South Carolina selling must-have Carolina yard and wall signs. Guys, these signs are awesome. They're made out of 12-gauge laser-cut steel, and they come in both garnet and black. Football season's obviously in full swing, and the holidays, believe it or not, are right around the corner. You can order yours today at YardwareSigns.com. That's YardwareSigns.com. Guys, you go to their website. You take a look. Like I said, they have it in garnet and black. They can have them for your yard. You can put it in your house. You can put it in your man cave, your office. This is a must-have. These signs are a must-have for any Gamecock fan. I, I'm anxiously waiting on mine right now. Actually, I'm getting one for the studio, and I can't wait to hang it up and actually show you guys, show you some pictures, videos, whatever. But for that Gamecock fan in your life, if you're not going to get it for yourself, which if you're not, you should, 
Get it for your loved one. Give it, get it for your friend, your uncle, your cousin, your brother, your dad, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever. Yardware signs, it's a must-have for Gamecock fans. And like we said, football in full swing, but the holidays are coming up. We got Halloween after that. It's basically going to be the Christmas season. This is a great gift. It's also not going to break the bank. Only $34.95 for a sign. But, guys, these things are super, super high quality. So, again, that is our friends over at Yardware Signs. Go be sure to check them out, yardwaresigns.com. That is yardwaresigns.com. And tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. Every single Tuesday, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath is here to help me break down South Carolina's dominating 41-7 to win over the Vanderbilt Commodores. We're also going to look ahead, talk about the game against Auburn. But first things first, Alex, as always, appreciate you taking the time, my man. How was your weekend? It was a good weekend. Spent a lot of time indoors because Greenville, unfortunately, had about the same weather as Nashville did. So just <laughs> It rained not, here, too. It was to a nasty weekend. It was a very nasty yeah. weekend. Unfortunately. Yeah, and it was it was the thing I hated. It was warm too. So like you walked outside, I was just like, it was the muggiest, uh, just nasty, sticky. But what they say in the south is sticky out. It's sticky out. It is sticky weather. It, we we had that nice we had that <laughs> nice weather a couple of weeks ago, and then I just knew in the back of my head, second summer is going to be coming here any day now. And then of course now it's in the eighties again, and here we are. For sure. Well, let's go ahead and dive into it, Alex. South Carolina gets the big win, forty-one to seven, gets their first win on the season. Um. I'll ask you, because I'm sure you saw my clip at halftime. Gamecock started sluggishly, 10 to nothing lead at half, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, God. Like, I mean, the, the worst thoughts are going through my head. I, I really didn't think Vanderbilt could move the football in South Carolina. I mean, I, I talked all week going in the game, and I, I said on Friday when I gave my prediction, you look at the roster, who scares you on Vanderbilt's roster? I mean, they have nobody. And I'm not trying to take away from the win or anything, but I think we can all agree they're the worst team in the SEC by far. They've got to be one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country. I don't think they win a game. But I'll ask you, I'm just curious, what were your thoughts at the half? Because, again, we can laugh about it now. Gamecocks pull away. They scored 31 points in the second half. But was there, was there any feelings of uneasiness from your side at, at the half? I'll say this. It was It was – no, because I, I, it just from an it just didn't look like anybody on their team really wanted to be there. Right. Um, look, I don't blame them. If you if you're not very good and it's just pouring rain outside, like why would you want to be standing there? Did, I'll but, ask you on that note. Did that game have a weird vibe to you? Like it, it did. Had a, it, it had like a. I was like, and I said this in the halftime update that I gave. I was like, this is what two zero and two teams at noon in the rain like. This is what you would expect. Like, I had somebody comment. They said it feels like a high school game, and I was like, yeah. you know, not necessarily the talent on the field, but just like the vibe of it. Like, it was almost like a game you had to like get you had to get yourself up for it. Like, you had to wake 100%. yourself up almost. A hundred percent. And I don't know how much of that is 
you know, two and two teams sitting there. Also, mm-hmm. it's just pouring rain outside. Right. And then two, like there's no fans, so there's no energy. Yeah, it's there were like, literally right, zero this- fans because Vandy's not letting anybody in, I think, except students. But it's like, dude, nobody wants to go to their games anyway. So no. And so <laughs> it was a it was a, I I didn't go into halftime feeling like, oh God, you know, this we're in for a roller coaster here. Right. I just thought it was going to be just kind of a sloppy grind to the end because you know even though we were up 10 nothing vandy made some ill-advised plays i thought in the first half uh you know missing a field goal going forward on fourth down you know those types of like kind of inside the five that just didn't work to their favor so you know you look at that 10 nothing score and you're like well it could be a little bit different let's see how they play in the second half and then i have no idea what they said at halftime (laughs) but that was a completely different south carolina squad out there in the second half yeah, I'll ask you because we're going to dive into specifics, but I want to ask you just as far as a blanket statement because, you know, I thought someone that called into my show it was one of the listener voicemails on Monday's show. They put it beautifully. They said, you know what? It's Vanderbilt. We all understand, but I'm going to appreciate this win. And, and I, that's really how I looked at it. Again, you know, there were a lot of people on social media, oh, it's Vandy. Oh, and I, I totally agree to an extent, but at the same time, anytime you go on the road and you, you really just impose your will and you dominate – an SEC opponent, it's something to pat yourself on the back and feel good about, at least for a little bit. Um, and, and, I mean, how many times have we seen a South Carolina team that was supposed to dominate or we thought was going to dominate or thought going to win the game, and they didn't do it, right? So, I mean, you appreciate the win. You understand it was two 0-2 teams. You, you understand it was Vanderbilt. You understand what the task was at hand. And it only gets tougher from here because I talked about you really needed to use that game against Vandy to get some confidence and build some momentum because now, Alex, this is your stretch. You've got Auburn at home, at LSU, Texas A&M at home, and then at Ole Miss. Four straight West opponents that all four are going to be very, very tricky games for sure. But I'll ask you, because I said, how much did we really learn from Saturday's game, I guess? But I'll ask you, overall, 41-7 to win. Was there anything you saw on Saturday that you learned about this football team that maybe you didn't know coming in? Or was it all kind of just things you were already – you already knew that you were just reassured about from that win against Vandy. Well, I mean, there's certainly something I think we all can take away from this is that the way we started the season as running back by committee, uh, yeah. that has been put to bed. So yeah. Kevin Harris is definitely the go-to guy uh, from now on. But as far as learning anything, no. I, I mean – and like I said, I mean, like it's for, for confidence reasons, that's awesome that we were able to just beat down a conference opponent like that. At the same time, it was just like we were just imposing our will in the second half, just kind of scoring in, you know, whatever ways we wanted to. To your point, with the next four opponents coming up, that's not going to be the case. Right. So more than anything else, uh, I've talked to several buddies about this, just, you know, looking at the, like, Alabama Ole Miss game from this weekend and just, you know, they're just running up and down the field on each other. This is important from an execution standpoint because what you didn't have this year was a full spring practice, probably a full fall practice, and you didn't get to play, you know, coastal to warm up with, or you didn't get to play uh, Charleston Southern to warm East Carolina, any of those teams to warm up against. So, you know, from an execution standpoint, you know, and getting reps, that's incredibly important to build that confidence that you know that you you've executed this play more than once successfully now and so now you've kind of got that in the back of your mind as you go into these uh what are ostensibly more difficult contests 
Yeah, I, I think you made a good point. We'll get into specifics. We'll talk Gamecocks running game because you rushed for 289 yards. That was the difference. I really thought, you know, they ran the football in the first half. Don't get me wrong. But I thought in the second half, you really saw us commit to it, commit to the run, say, hey, we're just going to bully Vanderbilt at this point. Like We're going to give Kevin Harris the football. I agree with you 110%. He is RB1. There's no question in my mind. And he, Actually, I talked to Monday's show. My biggest takeaway, Alex, from the game, and the one thing I learned, my biggest takeaway is this offense needs to run through Kevin Harris. He, he as good as Shy Smith is, and Colin Hill's been solid. You know, I thought I think the running game is so important. It needs to all go through Kevin Harris. He is a legitimate number one back. Is he as good as Marshawn Lloyd would have been? I don't know because I said that when they lost him. That you know, how are they going to replace Marshawn Lloyd? I truly expected to be running back by committee, but he has been a really nice surprise, and I think. He's truly your number one back. I'll ask you, when you look at Kevin Harris's game, obviously you were on the team with some really, really good running backs. We, you know, I just had Mike Davis on the podcast a week or so ago. You played with Corey Boyd, Dacus Termins, another name nobody thinks about. I think maybe Kenny Miles was on the team when you were there. He was. Just, yeah, and, and I, I, I said on the show and I said on social media, I think Kevin Harris, to me, just from what we've seen through three weeks, he's the best Gamecocks running back Salcon has had since Mike Davis. Not, not the OG Mike Davis the latest version of Mike Davis. But when you look at Kevin Harris's game, what are things you like, things you see? And maybe, guys, how does he compare to maybe some other guys, other kind of backs that you've seen? He just gets going downhill as soon as he gets the ball. So he's not somebody that's going to dance around. And I think comparing him to, you know, those other backs you just mentioned, he's just – he's probably 25 pounds bigger. Yeah. Than all of them were. And <laughs> I think that – makes a huge difference so you know and obviously he's not to this level currently but I mean like you look at him I would compare him more to yeah probably Mike Davis too or even on some respects uh Marcus just because of that size and how downhill he gets just as soon as he gets the ball no, for sure. I I love what I'm seeing from Harris. Like he he's a guy that first contact is not going to stop him. You're going to need a no. convoy to get Kevin Harris down. Hey, I thought he showed the speed too on that 88 yard rushing touchdown for sure. Um, defensively, again, the the takeaways for the defense. You know, again, you did what you should have done. You, you you really stymied Vanderbilt and you took advantage again of a bad Vanderbilt offense. Let's call it what it is. You had a true freshman quarterback. Cam Johnson's a decent receiving option for them, but they lost their top receiver and their top running back and they have a true freshman quarterback. I think there are probably still some holes and issues in the secondary that need to be fixed. You saw the you know the one drive in the third quarter where they really just methodically went down the field and kind of exposed your secondary. But I'll ask you just as a whole, the Gamecocks defense, I just read a stat on Twitter. They only missed two tackles in the game, which very, very good improvement. But I think, again, that's what's going to happen when you go from playing the playmakers of Florida to Vanderbilt. But I'll, I'll just ask you, as a whole, Ernest Jones, Jamie Robinson were a couple guys that were fantastic – J.C. Horn continues to do J.C. Horn things. For whatever reason, Israel McQuamu didn't play in the second half. But, again, Cam Smith with a little bit of redemption at the end of the game gets his first interception. What you saw from the South Carolina defense, is there, is there anything you saw you can really build off of? Because, again, I'm hesitant to all of a sudden say, you know, this, this, this Gamecock defense turned the corner. I mean, it's Vandy. We knew what they had coming in. They had no offensive weapons. And, heck, I, you know, to play devil's advocate, even against Vandy, there was a lot of bend but don't break in that game. A lot of it. I mean, you had to stop them fourth and goal. Vandy very well could have been leading that game at different points, or at least I think it could have been a tie game going into halftime. But your overall takeaways from what you saw from the Gamecocks defense on Saturday? 
I'm, I'm kind of with you on that to where I don't know that there's anything we necessarily learned about this defense, but from an execution standpoint, like going out there and holding an opponent, again, a conference mm-hmm. opponent to seven total points and only missing two tackles, that's something you can build off of. So I think that's the most important thing to take away from our defensive performance against Vandy. Yeah, I, I think the biggest goal, of, or at least the number one goal, in my opinion, of that game against Vandy and Eric Kemry, I saw him talk about a little bit, a little bit of it on social media. Positive momentum, building yeah. positive momentum, just having anything to feel good about. It didn't matter who the opponent was. Again, it could have been Coastal, it could have been ECU, but going out and really just beating the hell out of someone else after you had really, you know, two really tough opponents the first two weeks. Call it what it is. Again, I'm not ready to crown Tennessee or anything, but they're a high quality opponent. No questions asked. So. I think it was nice, if nothing else, for the Gamecocks to get that relief, to play somebody they were favored against, they were better than, and get that positive momentum. We're going to put that one aside because I, I really want to spend almost more time talking about this Auburn game that's upcoming. Alex, the way I look at this one is, and I think we may have talked about this either off air, maybe last week we mentioned it, but for every single coach, for every single program, there are games, and listen, you can justify, hey, this, this, and this is why the program's headed in the right direction. Oh, look at recruiting. Look, oh, look at facilities. Oh, look at this. Look at that. But winning, that's what gets your program going in the right direction. Winning big games, that's what gets you going in the right direction. I see that type of opportunity against Auburn this Saturday. And again, I, Auburn's 15th in the country ranked. I know the rankings are kind of crazy right now. I mean, North Carolina's ranked fifth, if that tells you anything. I, I don't think UNC is. I good. just can't with that. I, yeah, I, I don't think UNC is the fifth best team in the country. But it is what it is. You've got the 15th ranked Auburn Tigers coming to town. You haven't beaten them since 1933. You've never beat them as a member of the SEC. Heck, you were on a couple of those teams that took on Auburn, and you know you guys played some close games with them. I know 05 didn't exactly go how you wanted, but 06 had them on the ropes. Yeah, 06 with Savell Newton, Jared Cook. That's unfortunately when people talk Jared Cook, that's the first thing they think of is him dropping that ball against Auburn. But either way, you played them really, really close in 06. And I look back at let's say Steve Spurrier, or heck, even look at Lou Holtz. They had wins that were sort of those quote-unquote turn-the-corner type wins, or at least showed the program was headed in a positive trajectory. I think Lou Holtz, 2000 against Georgia. That was sort of the one, okay, here we go. We got this thing rolling. Steve Spurrier, 09 against Ole Miss, and then obviously 2010 against Bama. That was the one that told you, hey, the program has turned the corner. We're on to bigger and better things. Again, I'm not saying everything will be right in the world or that this program's headed to, you know, on, on that path that Steve Spurrier's teams were on, but – if you're Will Muschamp and you're this program and you're you're a fan that wants to justify that this program is headed in the right direction, this game against Auburn just feels like one of those games, one of those opportunities to me that if you're South Carolina, you simply have to take advantage of. I 100% agree with you. Um, for the, and it's it's so tough, and we were talking about this before we got on, um, just to like gauge where all these teams are at anyway. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I would, full disclosure, like the first, you know, Georgia plays Arkansas first game of the year. They don't look great. I'm like, okay, Georgia's down. Then they <laughs> whack Auburn. Yeah. And then they absolutely steamrolled Tennessee. Yeah. So apparently, apparently Georgia wasn't quite ready to crown <laughs> Tennessee either. Um, and so, you know, you kind of take that into effect. So I'm going to compare it to, you know, they're probably somewhere around Tennessee's level. Mm-hmm. 
I would guess, unless Arkansas is much better than everybody thinks they are. Yeah, um, and, and I was going to say, I think the Auburn game, the importance of it now is, is stressed so mightily because we talked a little bit off air that I, I do see Auburn as kind of like the Tennessee game 2.0 in the sense yeah. of it's a truly coin flip game. I think what Tennessee was a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Auburn right now is sitting at a three-point favorite. Both games were in Williams-Brice. You know, and, and I talked about all offseason that Tennessee was the most important game of the season just as far as – it's going to set the tone for your season. And we knew that the, the schedule overall is a gauntlet. I mean, it's a gauntlet for everybody, but we knew the schedule was a gauntlet. And I, and I said before the season that, you know, five and five should be the minimum expectation. If you want to sit there and justify to me that Muschamp has the program going in the right direction, you've at least got to go five and five, 500 or better. I think that's very realistic, very reasonable. And that Tennessee was one of those swing games you had to have to hit that mark. Well, you didn't get that game. Now you look at Auburn it almost takes the role of what the Tennessee game was week one in the sense of, you know, I just don't think there will be any moral victories this weekend. And I, I'm not trying to set the expectations too high and, you know, and take away credit, oh, credit away from Auburn because they've been struggling, but certainly they've got a good football team. Bo Nix, Seth Williams on the outside, Tank Bigsby in the backfield. That defense, they lost a lot. But Auburn has talent. Auburn has talent. Mm-hmm. We know that. Gus Malzahn, Chad Morris, whatever. I just don't think, though, anything less than a win is – you're not going to be able to feel – because I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, what, what do you want to see or what are you looking for? But I think all Carolina fans are going to be feeling the same way. This is just one – if you don't win, it's, it's not going to be enough. You need to find a way to win this football game. 100%. There's no – yeah, you can't, you can't kind of cling to – No moral victories. There are no moral victories well, here. But no, 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 100%. And you can't, especially given that it's year five, you can't cling to, oh, you know, well, we almost beat Florida. We almost beat Tennessee. We mm-hmm. almost beat Auburn. Yeah. Like, that, that's gone now. At some that point, works you have to break year through. one. At some yeah. point, because like I just – like we said earlier, I mean, again, rec- all the, the recruiting is, is a nice to have and the facilities are great and, uh, you know, all this – you know, you're bringing in talent, all this other stuff, but – winning games that's what shows the program's headed in the right direction all that other stuff is nice to have and it all leads to what is that ultimate goal which is you got to win games for your program to be headed in the right direction you got to win games and I think it's games like these because again you take a look at the schedule Auburn at home at LSU I know LSU's reeling they are struggling mightily but they still got a ton of talent and you're at their place you got Texas A&M at home who you haven't beaten in six tries and they just beat Florida and look pretty damn good doing it at Ole Miss looks more daunting by the week with Lane Kip, what he's doing <laughs> offensively. Lane got, trains the in, next in week, the you've got Missouri at home, which I'm not crowning Mizzou either and think they're world beaters, but hell, they just beat LSU. Then you've got Georgia, which is Georgia. And then you've got at Kentucky, a place historically you've never played well. Again, I still think five and five is reasonable. It's, it's feasible. And I, and I don't want to get, again, I don't want to set my expectations too high or anything after you beat Vanderbilt. But again, if you are going to get to that point and try to justify again, the program's heading in the right direction, this Auburn game's as winnable as any of them you have left when you look at that. Oh, schedule. Yeah. hundred Yeah. This one, I think Missouri right. are probably, well, it's, you know, old miss is basically, 11 folding chairs on defense based on what we saw this weekend. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we can score on them, but they're, they're gonna... must watch football though. I'll tell you what, that Bama Ole Miss game was, was great was TV. Awesome. Great yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah. And Lane awesome. Kiffin's good for a laugh or two, for sure. Uh, you know, speaking of that, cause we're talking SEC football. I want to ask you as someone, obviously again, that, that played has been on a team. 
are do you because I mean again the numbers we're seeing offensively is just I mean the game's offensive now for sure but it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to score. I mean, it's turning a big 12 football in the sec. How much of an impact does not having spring ball and having a weird fall camp? Like, are you, was that something you were expecting? Is that something you're surprised by? I mean, again, how important is camp to the development of the defense? Cause again, as somebody who's played, been in a locker room has seen that firsthand, I'm sure you can speak to it. So I, I think more than anything else, and I don't, again, I don't know what the protocols were, but I know there were a lot of teams that weren't doing full tackling right. in those situations. So you've had offenses, you know, being able to practice without any kind of fear of being hit or clipped, anything like that for a month where the defense hasn't been able to practice what basically amounts to the most important thing they can do. And that's tackling people to the ground. And I think that you can see that every single Saturday and every single game that you're watching just where it's kind of offenses running up and down the field it's just poor tackling because you haven't practiced you haven't been practicing it so i mean as the season goes on they'll get better but i think the other part of that too is you don't i mean you just kind of walked into conference games so there wasn't again you know there wasn't that warm-up against charleston southern coastal Furman, wofford whoever it needs to be there that you didn't get to play that game and all of a sudden you're stepping in there against equivalent talent that Yeah, I was gonna. You. I was gonna say when you were at Carolina because you talk about those warm up games, and I, I guess it's funny. Like as a fan, you kind of take those for granted because you're like, oh, it's a sure win, whatever. But I mean, obviously, listening to you and other people I've talked to, those games are very important for teams. Because I mean, when you were there, you guys played Louisiana Lafayette, you played Wofford, yep. you played Florida Atlantic. You know, I, I hate I hate to put UCF in that category because they were actually pretty decent, but. You know, you get what I'm saying. So, I mean, th- those games are really important for for the players as far as kind of getting in the groove of things. Oh, absolutely. Because, it, you know, you, you spend a whole month, or at least you used to before the pandemic, you know, hitting on each other. And then you get into that game and you get to play against somebody else for once. And it's that it's the reps. It's the experience. It's, you know, tasting that success that this stuff works if we do it the right way that builds that momentum that kind of gets you into playing in conference so not having that not having a full slate of or really any slate of spring practice and then a limited fall practice I think that is contributing in a huge way to the big 12 that has broken out in league play for sure Alex before I get you out of here you're an offensive guy obviously so I want to talk Gamecocks offense with you I want to talk specifically about the two Colorado State guys Mike Bobo and Colin Hill and just kind of get your thoughts through three games on those guys, which is – I was thinking about this yesterday, Alex, and I almost shed a tear thinking we're, we're basically a third of the way through the season. Like, all right, it's a 10-game schedule. Anyways, talking about Bobo and Hill, um, you know, again, we're through three games. I, I think you've kind of gotten to see now and get a gauge on what this offense obviously looks like. You've played one team you were much, much better than. You've played one team that I would say – you're fairly, I would say you're definitely on par with them, Tennessee, and you've played one team that's, I would say, better than you, than Florida. So you've gotten to see this offense in, in different scenarios and kind of what they can do and what they can't do, what their limitations are, what they excel at. Your overall thoughts, you can give a grade if you want, but your overall grade on Mike Bobo as a play caller, as an offensive coordinator, because I think the Gamecocks right now are averaging like 30 points per game, which again, it's three games, whatever, but I think you can definitely say with some comp, there's been a, a, a jump on offense from last year to this year. And I think a lot of that does have to do with the steady hand of Colin Hill. And we were talking a little bit off here, but my thoughts on 
on Colin that I think he's played beautifully through three games. So you're just your overall assessment analysis. And like I said, if you want to give a grade on Mike Bobo and Colin Hill and how this offense is performing. So Colin Hill, I will give an A to like, he has exceeded expectations. He is protecting the ball. Would you, would you believe me if I told you he'd had a rushing touchdown basically at any point this season? (laughs) No, like a true 10 yards out rushing touchdown, not a quarterback sneak. I mean, that that was wild to me. No, no, (laughs) there's no way. Um, But no, he's he's played beautifully. He's controlled the ball. He hasn't turned it over. He's putting it in, you know, the receiver's hands, whether they choose to catch it or not, has been one of the more exciting elements of this year's offense. (laughs) Um, But, you know, he's he's played incredibly well. You know, Bobo, I mean, is obviously calling a good game. I, I still can't get the visual of us mm-hmm. taking eight minutes on a two-minute drill. Or, and I think I texted you about this uh, Saturday, the fact that we ran a reverse to Dak, mm-hmm. like, after the game had been put away. And it goes for a touchdown. Like, well, <laughs> that goes for a touchdown. I'm like, we, we have been down by a touchdown the yeah. last two weeks. Well, like, where has this been? Yeah, that, that, that that's a little bit maddening. Just, I mean, in the sense of you finally get it to the carry on joiner, and the first time he touches the ball, he goes for a, a 47 yard touchdown. I mean, it's just like, what do you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, know? But it, but it, it's really even more from like a like it in that one is really more like, why would you put that on film in yeah. that situation? Yeah. Like now, I, I like agree. Now I agree. Got something to prep with because you can't so, really run that again. You can't really run that again. I mean, they're going right. to know. So, yeah, it's almost like, like we made a trick play. Like why? Basically, yeah, uh, up by you know five touchdowns. I'm like, what are we doing here? Um, I was. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm very glad that right, 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 right. You know, 47 yard touchdown. I just wish they'd use that for you know Auburn yeah. instead. I, of, I'm genuinely hoping it leads to to more touches for to carry on Joiner because a lot of people, you know, I, I do my live streams and stuff, and people submit questions, and a lot of people ask me you know, is Dak going to touch the ball more? And, and I make it clear, like, I, I don't – I'm not saying get the ball to Dak Joyner 10 to 12 times a game. Like, I'm not saying he should be touching it that much, but when you have that good of an athlete just standing on the sideline, three or four touches, like, give him a chance in the Wildcat. Do it. Do a jet sweep. Do a reverse. Throw a screen. Like, he's just too good of an athlete to not be utilizing his skill set in any way, especially, like we've said, where – I would still say, and this is unfortunately, I'm saying this after Vandy too, like, I mean, do you really feel confident at anybody at wide receiver other than Shy Smith even after Vandy? I mean, not really. I mean, I think Leggett is a decent option for sure, but, I mean, there wasn't really any. I mean, the running game is what took over on Saturday. Nick Muse at tight end did have a good day, but you still kind of go into Auburn like, man, if Shy doesn't ball out at wide out, and we're not running the ball like we did against Vandy, which I think is unrealistic to expect to run that way against anybody not named Vandy. But, yeah, if we got to go to somebody else other than Chai, like I don't really know who the first guy the ball is going to is. So I'm just saying well, use well, all of yeah. your athletes. Use all of your athletes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like use them all. Yeah, so I, I mean like I would tell you it's TBD on Bobo at this point because, right. to your point, we're not going to be able to run the ball like we did on Vandy. So we're going to have to throw the ball on Auburn to win. And – We've got to scheme that up, or we got to find guys that can catch it. Like, and this is complete ignorance on my part, and I should know this. Like, did Van, Van didn't have any drops Saturday? Did he? Not that I can recall. Um, <clears throat> not that I, I can recall. I, I don't know how many drops we finished with. Um, 
it wasn't enough to be noticeable, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. Okay. Cause I'm just, I'm like, I haven't heard it. Like he doesn't have any catches though, either. Does he? I think he may have had one Saturday, but I mean, you do realize when they released the top six receivers, cause you know, they, they ask who's in your receiver rotation. He was not yeah. mentioned amongst the top six. So Good. that's, that's kind of okay. the trajectory of Van's career at this point, which it's, it's a Got shame it. because you know, again, we could spend, we could do a whole other podcast on this four-star prospect at the Tucker, Georgia highlight real high school tape. And it just hasn't translated for whatever reason, but. That's so interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, even when he came as a freshman, like he was getting, I feel like I remember him getting like good time out there, but I'm, who's to say. Right. I, I'll ask you in, in closing. I know, I know I keep going, but in closing again, you played on a South Carolina team that took on Auburn under the lights Thursday night. You guys were obviously the underdog. Auburn was a really, really good team at that point. But just talk about, as a player, what the guys are feeling in the locker room night right now. I know there's got to be a little extra juice this week as far – you know, versus last week when you're 0-2, you're playing Vandy, now you have some confidence, now you have something to feel good about and build off of. And, yes, it's a noon game, but you're at home, nationally televised. you got a ranked opponent coming into Williams-Brice, you know, a team you've never beaten and whatever – just I'm I'm sure the energy the energy level at practice this week and I'm sure, again you can attest to it and just the buzz around the facility is definitely turned up another notch this week. Oh, 100, 100, percent and and you know we were talking about this earlier too. It's just like with that, like I have having never played in an empty college arena, right. Like, I, I, I have no idea how much that factors into any right. of this because a lot of that energy, especially, like, when we played them in 2006, you know, if you can get some – if you can kind of get somebody on the ropes, the crowd, like, being there with you, you right. know, serves – is huge coming up behind you and, you know, keeping you jazzed up. And, like, if that's not there, I just – I have no yeah. idea how that works. I, I'll tell you this. We need to get whoever is in charge of tickets for Texas A&M because that's <laughs> the biggest 25% of the crowd I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Well, hey, the, I mean, not to dive into this, but hey, the Florida governors, <laughs> the Florida governors are allowing them to have full stadium. Now, not that UF and FSU and them are doing it, but apparently he's just saying, screw it. Florida just does not give a damn, by the way. I will say that. They don't know. No, dude, it, it's but been a lawless I, swamp since its inception. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I, I will say, I, I think 20,000 can get more raucous than people think. And I, I think the fans will come ready to do as much as they possibly can. But I agree with you. Whoever's coordinating the 20% at Georgia and AM, we need to get in touch with them because yes, we do. I'm like, that's the biggest 20% I've ever seen. So, mm-hmm. uh, Alex, always a pleasure, man. Like I said, we'll look forward to it. Obviously, it should be fun on Saturday, and we'll break it all down next week. But as always, man, a pleasure for sure. And let's hope the Cox can get the upset on Saturday, no doubt. We'll be pulling for it. Absolutely. He's Alex McGrath. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time with an episode of the Spurs Up Show.